We are the gentlemen advancing the melanin evolution. You are now tuned in to another episode of Urban and Books with the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. Welcome to another Bourbon and Books edition of the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev. I'm KEV, that's RLJ, and along with Cousin Jeff, we are back again for our monthly book discussion. Hashtag Black Men Read. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We reading, we reading heavy now, too, man. Oh, yeah. For real. We reading real heavy. I'm on the record. <laughs> Jeff, how many books is this for you? In general, or yeah, is this is this taking up your account astronomically, or is it like yes, man? It's taking me a whole year, one book maybe. Okay, so we growing. Black men grow too. That's what we doing. Black Jeff. men grow, man. We building something special, man. Black man. men build. God, you said you said you going from man, you going from like one book a year to twelve, cousin I, Jeff. I deserve something. I don't know. I'm a I'm a treat myself. Look, you you know we always need a reason to, to treat ourselves, whether it's school or anything. Well, I got you. I'm, I'm gonna give you a round of applause. It's all right, it's all right man. Podcasting came up a little bit. Man. You we know. got applause now. <laughs> Big time, baby. Big time. <laughs> so uh, this month uh, on uh, Bourbon and Books, man, when things fall apart by Pema Children. What I did not know about the author, um, she's born in America, born in New York City, and um, kind of has gone through this journey. Uh, you know, became a nun and a practicing Buddhist and monastery school as well. And so, a lot of the um, kind of themes around the book. I think tied into her own journey, but I I, I picked this book uh, this month, brother Jay. Uh, one because I got the the other book confused with this one, <laughs> <laughs> and I had already read this one by the time by the time uh, things fall apart, and that was our book uh, a month or so ago, a couple months ago, and um, but the titles were similar. So what did you all think of the title? Because when things fall falls apart, it gives me uh, kind of foresight on that things will fall apart. Mm. I would say I was also in that space and I appreciated um, the title even more when I started reading it. But on first glance, it's like this is going to happen. And this is how you can manage or best govern yourself when it, when things do fall apart so that you can be better. And, and I think there's a, for me, there was a, there was an expectation when I first read the title, like there's an expectation that things are going to fall apart. And there's also an expectation of what is required of me when they do fall apart. I'll say for me, you know, first glance of the title alone my educational um hat was not on i'm probably like some people where my mind goes straight to songs 
So my first thought was, oh, Kanye West, all falls down. <laughs> then I took it to church. I'm like, oh, Marvin Sapp, we fall down. Donnie McClurkin. What's that? Is that Donnie? It's Donnie. We fall down. Yeah, that's same. Donnie McClurkin. Yeah, it's all right. They, they, it's all right. <laughs> hey, hey. Bo, 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 bo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think my mind just went to song and obviously in both of those songs, it talks about falling down and, and getting back up. But I wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking like on like a deeper level. I was like, okay, some gonna fall down, some probably gonna get back up. Yeah, the title for me was interesting um, because I, I I understand that things will fall apart, and when things fall apart, what do you do? And I feel the, the I feel that the author was really trying to. Um, give insight on how we currently deal with things as a society, you know, especially around this concept of fear and hope Mm. and how um, reality is fear and hope aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. They belong together. And, And how do you balance the nuances when that scale tips in one direction or another. And so foresight, when things fall apart, but then also I'm trying to understand, okay, when things fall apart, where do we go? What do we do? And she gave like some cool examples, but the concept of like not hoping too much or being addicted to hope, Mm. it struck a chord with me because I'm all about hope. I think we need hope. It's a driving force behind, you know, uh, development. It's a driving force behind innovation. It's a driving force behind um, humanity, I would, I would say. But then she kind of flips it. It's like, okay, well, if you invest too much in hope, or if you invest this concept that you can only live when you are hopeful, mm-hmm. then what do you do when you've lost hope because, because the, the, the objective is you want to be in a good space. And when we, she talked about Dharma's in the book and Dharma, it's like a, this, this, you know, you can't have gains without losses. Balance. It's about balance. Yeah. Right. But I think it was interesting because the scales always tip. And I, I think most folks don't understand what to do or what's realistic when the scale tips towards something that makes you uncomfortable. Like now, like now is like, it's crazy that we are reading this book and it's like the perfect time for now Mm. with everything that's going on. And then when you got really think about like the MAGA, the MAGA movement and all these crazy white folks marching down the Capitol, cause they holding on to something that never really existed in the first place. Yeah. And you go wild and crazy over it. Like that was one of the first things that popped in my head. This book was like, yo, we do as a society, we get attached to one space or another. And I, I, and I, I, I know I struggle with that, that balance, you know, it's crazy. And I think it's, it's similar to the concept of you have to have the yin with the yang and the yang with the yin, right? They, they come together. You can't just say, I want everything that's good or, 
Um, I'm only experiencing everything that's bad. We are going to experience both and, and the universe will balance itself out one way or another. But the thing that I got from the, one of the themes that I kept seeing within the book was we are trying to control something that we don't have control of. And going off of what you said, Kev, like being hopeful. If if there is a thing as being too hopeful, I think it could set our expectations so high that if it doesn't work out in our favor, then the the aftermath is like that's devastating. And that it takes us a while to rebuild it. It's kind of like election. Right. I can only imagine how we would have felt if um, Senator Barack Obama didn't become President Barack H. Obama. Because there was his his platform was hope based on the word hope. And even for I think that might have been the first time in American history that people of color had something that they could see themselves in that was going to be soon a part of the American dream. We've heard about the American dream, but we've never actually saw us within the American dream, similar to like the reflecting pool. When you go to DC, how the concept was anyone that comes and looks in the reflecting pool, they will, they will see back their reflection which is a piece of the American dream or the ideals of America. So anyone that comes down to here and looks in looking back at them will be a piece of America. And I don't think we've ever, we ever had that piece, especially with the, the position that has the most power in, in the world as others have called it, you know, the president of the United States is the most powerful position of the world. I don't think we've ever had something like that. So if if the senator never became president, I don't know the totality of the effect that we as a black people, I'll just leave it at black people. I don't I don't know if we I don't know what that would have looked like because we had we poured our all into that election. Even if even for the ones that didn't vote in the election, right? They was like, Yeah, we gotta win. Like it was a it was a family reunion that night of election day. And I think because we put so much into it, when it doesn't go in our favor, the aftermath can be traumatic. And we we know that trauma goes into different stems and sometimes people never 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 heal from traumatic experiences. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, so just a couple of things I wanted to say. One, um, when this goes back around, just to think, I, when you talked about hypothetically if Barack didn't win, like what would that look like on the other side? I would almost flip that and say, do you think that would have been worse than she's had winning a second election? Like what would have been more worse? My chest, was, my chest just got tight when you said that, and I know we are hypothetical. Yo, speak. but that's the ill thing, though. <laughs> both a both a traumatic kind of scenario, yeah. right? Yeah, but but, but crazy shit has happened worse than that lately. <laughs> and what would have been worse, even even if we want to 
bring it back to like being an African-American in this country, what would have been um, worse? And I'll kind of let you all dialogue about that after I kind of talk about a little bit some of the things, Kev, that you kind of talked about. The word hope, um, I do agree that this, to me, this book, it talked a lot about balance, not being too high, not being too low, but just really having a balance, which I really do agree with. I actually had a great, great grandmother who passed away. I think she um, died at like 105 years old and it was literally from natural causes. Like she didn't um, wear glasses, like she could walk, she didn't need like a cane. She was in good health. You can sit and actually have a conversation with her. She would laugh, she would have dialogue with you. And I just remember one time her saying, the reason why she felt like she lived so long, it was because she just never got too high, never got too low. Like she just always was at like a a good balance. Obviously you get excited for things and things come up, it's gonna affect you negatively, but she never just got too deep on any end. But I think it's always interesting when non-black people talk about, you know, Obviously, there's a yin to a yang and like, you know, don't be too hopeful, um, you know, because there's something on the other side of hope. But I think it's being a black person like we we have to be hopeful because in many ways. I think we we feel like we came into this country in a bad situation, and if we don't look for hope, we would live very depressing lives. So I just always wonder when, when folks say, look, you know. It's, it's almost going back to the whole election thing. It's like, t- to your point, we poured so much into that. Like, this this is it. Like We put in our hope in this one position. And again, it may not change nothing about my situation, but at least I have something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, and one of the last things I'll say as well, this book, to your point about just being uncomfortable, it talked a lot about being okay with being uncomfortable. And I think universal, that's just hard for people to do. Mm. Who wants to live in a level of uncomfort for long periods of time? Um, Just think about anything that you're trying to do in life. You're trying to buy a house or get a house. You're trying to get a car. You're trying to do your travel. And you know you got to make some sacrifice. You got to do some things that's uncomfortable. Work long hours. Put up with stuff that you really don't want to do. A lot of people just don't want to be uncomfortable. So what I really liked about this book, I feel like it challenged a lot of things that we come to know or like we they are literally principles in our life. It's saying, hey, don't do this. Like, think about this other side, which really had me, I don't know, just thinking a lot on, again, life principles that I've always put to the forefront. Mm. Yeah, I would say the you know, understanding the nature behind being uncomfortable, understanding the nature behind being uncomfortable and understand like what your triggers are when you're in a comfortable state or an uncomfortable state. Mm -hmm. One of the things that uh, she talked about was um, you have to go through a constant state of annihilation to find what's indestructible in your life. Like that was some cold. Like that was cold. That that's like a man. That's like a Jay Z line. That's man. a bar. I was that, that was a bar, yo. She, <laughs> that that was, was a bar. She had a few bars in there. She, yeah, yo, that joint was a bar, bar, man. But when you when you think about it, it's like yo, 
it, it goes back to, you know, pressure, that pressure in dining kind of thing, man. It's like, yo, you don't know how tough you are until you got to be tough. You yeah. don't know how strong you can be until, until you know that you've done something where you had to be strong, where you had no choice. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it really forced you, it, it forced me, anything, if anything, it forced me to say, yo, I bitch complain about a lot of stuff. Some some is jokingly because that's how I deal with things. But for the most part, I bitch complain about a lot of stuff. But I also can say that the stuff that I bitch complain about, I am learning from it in some kind of way. Like I'm either learning from a past era or I'm learning like, yo, how I how I have to manage certain relationships with people because I know it's not healthy for me. Mm-hmm. But but, you know, you, you have to have somebody who's, you know, you have to have an, an, an antagonist. Thanks. Right. In, in your life, you have to have an antagonist. And so I think that's one of the, the, the pieces that really resonated with me in terms of like, yo, you're going to be uncomfortable. And if you're going to be uncomfortable, at least you need to know, like, how to deal with being in that moment because you're going to go through it. Often. Often, right? I mean, and a lot of times, and I, and I think, I think the hope piece, it was an example that she tried to use. And I know some folks might take it as well. No, she's saying don't be hopeful. No, she's not saying don't be hopeful. But I think what she's what she's trying to relay is like, yo, don't treat hope and God and religion like Santa Claus. Mm. Like don't, like don't, don't, don't invest. And like, yo, if if I really want this candidate to win, don't invest so much of yourself in that candidate winning when maybe the candidate might take an L. And then Wednesday after election day, you're going to have to pick up the pieces and move on. And and that goes back to the balance part. Yes. Right? <laughs> you can be hopeful, but just understand that if the adverse happens... How do you like tomorrow is still going to be Wednesday? If God says so, the next day is going to come and and we still have to function. So how are you going to be able to do this? Don't look so far to the right that you can't see the center of the road. And I and we I all think, are guilty for. Oh, yes. absolutely. Absolutely. In every yeah. aspect of our life. Right. Even when it comes down like, oh, we want our favorite sports team to win. We don't think about the the possibility that, you know what, today just might be a day that someone's going to have a bad day and they're going to lose. We don't really consider that. We don't. It, it has to be all or none. Right. It has to be mm-hmm. has to be black. It has to be white. It has to be chocolate or vanilla. Like we have been classically conditioned as a society. That there's a or. And sometimes like. It really isn't a or sometimes it's it can be both. Right. No one wants to hear that there was a tie game like, nah, somebody got to win. Well, you know, the score was the same. Well, we we had better defense. Uh, if you did, you would have your offense would have been. Of course, Patty position. was better than Gladys. Exactly. He's supposed to battle. Look, LeBron better than. Uh, LeBron better than Joy. It's got to be a winner. It's got to be a loser. They came both. It has to be. And, and that we have been conditioned and we social constructs. Mm-hmm. Right. Just thinking about how race and ethnicity 
how that has been formed. Like, oh, individuals who were born here are more um, superior than those who were born here. Based on the belief that something always has to be superior. There has to be a superior and there has to be an inferior. Mm-hmm. And that that has that has been transferred from generation to generation to generation. And I liked how um, there was a whole lot of, there was some golden nuggets. um, And it was funny that you talked about how she was a nun and all this other stuff, because like the random cuss words threw me off. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I was reading it and I read it in my voice. I I would read it and I was like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, she was like talking at one point she was talking about a mountain and how much how much shit the mountain has to take. Yeah, I'm just like <laughs> like the mountain gets abused. <laughs> <laughs> it, it threw me off, but I, I appreciate it, right? I think that that added a humanistic portion to the whole entire reading. Um one of the you know, I'm a quote guy, so you know, I was highlighting some, I was like, oh, how, this is this is good. Like fear is a natural reaction to moving closer to the truth. And then when I started to dissect that, I'm like, man, how often do like when we think about those uncomfortable conversations we've had to have with people, whether it was like relationships, whether it was professional, as we get closer to the truth, like we try to avoid some some conversations because we already know what the potential outcome could be, right? That's a moment. We're, we're fearful. We're fearful of that potential outcome. Absolutely. And dealing with the aftermath, right? Yeah. But I, I also liked how she said, but if we want to go beneath the surface and practice without hesitation, it is inevitable that at some point we will experience fear. And I think that brings it down. Like fear is a basic human experience that we all experience. And for the most part, we experience it daily. And it comes in for, and as she talked about, it comes in f- different forms and fashion, like, right. like fear, you know, ego, eat your ego. Yeah. Fear drives your ego. Yeah. Fear, fear drives, you know, your attitude, fear, fear drives um, a lot of decisions that you make right, wrong or indifferent. Like Cole. I think in terms of, again, this, this book, one of the themes I would say was reflection where, you know, many times the author is saying, Hey, in these moments, take a, take a step back to say, what are my triggers? How am I feeling? What, what has drove me to this point? Why am I upset about this? Even it doesn't have to always be negative. Why am I happy? What, what, what in this moment, is bringing this emotion um, to me. So I guess one of the questions I would pose is, what are one of the scenarios in life that you constantly see yourself reflecting? Like you always reflect in this moment. I can start off first because I always think about after like a breakup. Literally every time a relationship ends, I typically just like sit alone. And I'm trying to think like, I'm like, what is God trying to teach me in this moment? What, what have I learned from this experience? What were things I could have worked on? How could I could have been a better person? I don't use that, that moment to 
highlight or uh, up myself. I really use it to just say, what am I supposed to be learning? Mm. And I think that's probably one of the most consistent times I would say I'm, I'm always reflecting on, on myself. Yeah. She talked, she talked a lot about uh, meditation um, in the book. And I haven't, I've never been one. Like I tried to do yoga a couple of (laughs) times. You know what I'm saying? Like I like it, yoga. Black I, people do yoga. I, I ain't right. knocking it. I ain't knocking it, but it's like it wasn't really my thing, right? And then even, you know, try to go through, you know, meditations, exercises and stuff like that. And it's cool. But I just may I was like, yo, maybe I'm just not deep enough. I'm focused <laughs> enough. You know what I'm saying? But but what you just said hit home. So maybe I do meditate in my own kind of way because like you were very reflective in the questions that you just asked cousin, mm-hmm. cousin Jeff, you know, or what was it that I could have done differently? You know, what did I learn from the situation? And that is one of the pieces that she kind of points to the book in the midst of your chaos. Mm-hmm. You sat there, mm-hmm. you paused, mm-hmm. you said, all right, I'm uncomfortable. Why am I uncomfortable? Was there anything in that dynamic that I could have done differently? Because later in the book, she talks about like every soul, every person in this world has an equal contribution Mm -hmm. to harmony Mm. or to chaos. Yeah. Every person in the world got a choice. And so in that example, cousin Jeff, that you gave, like, I think that's what she was really getting at. Like sometimes we got to reflect in the, the, in the good and the bad and try to get some level of understanding because it's part of the journey. It's part of the overall journey. So, you know, those lessons learned, you don't learn the lesson. If you don't, if you don't understand that you had a part in whatever the problem was to begin with your relationship, your job or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I think that's what she was really getting at. Like for for folks to figure out what's comfortable to them to go through those exercises in their own way, in their own way, to gain some kind of interpretation on what the journey should look like. Like it. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was a great example. And going off of that, there was a there was a section um, I can't remember the the chapter, but it was talking about pain. And when we feel lonely, when we feel hopeless, what we want to do is move to the right or to the left. We don't want to sit and feel what we feel. We don't want to go through the detox. When I got to the word detox, I was like, "That's it. That's the process." Like when you get into a situation, pain is weakness leaving the body. Things that leave from you is considered a detox. And so going from that breakup, that's a detox because there's things that's going to be removed from your life that, you know, you you grew accustomed to being there. That's a detox. And so now you're trying to figure out, like, hey, how do I like what does tomorrow look like? I've been doing this thing for a long time. What do I do? Next, like, what's going to happen if we're around the same people? What do I do when I see this person in the street? God forbid we have to work to each other and I we randomly get to work together and we got to ride the elevator up. Like, mm-hmm. was it a mutual understanding to where it was like what we were supposed to experience has ended? Let's move on to the next chapter. Or did it end like 
like left eyes relationships like what <laughs> <laughs> and a burning building going down in flames like what how did this yeah. end and i think i think the ending heavily impacts the beginning of the detox like if it was a natural mutual thing i don't think it hurts as much but, but the detox piece though dude like the, the when the, she said, move right. You People either want to move right or left, and they don't go through the detox, so they rush in towards something to fill that void. And it's like a drug, like a like literally a drug addiction. habit. It's an addiction because what you have, you, you typically respond the way you have been taught. Not necessarily taught like class environment. But when you really think about it, we never really had lessons on relationships we were never taught um we were taught how to do good things but we weren't necessarily taught how to be a good person we were told how to be a good person we were told that a good person does x y and z so then we we're operating under a thing under geese that you know like this is what we were told but it's like ah, i was never taught so if you've never seen a successful relationship. How can you be in one? Because you, you don't know what one looks like. I, I can identify, right? Everyone wanted the Cliff and Claire um, relationship. But we don't really know what happened when Cliff and Claire went on, went on camera. We only saw that 28 minutes that NBC chose to show us about their family interactions. We don't know what happened when Claire gave Cliff the business when he was driving in the car because he said something or did something he wasn't supposed to. We only see the stuff that has been glorified. And so it's like, ah, let me just repeat that. So then when something happens that we don't see that like, oh, well, this wasn't on any of the TV shows that I like. This is not how it looked, Linda. You don't know what to do with it. So you quickly, like the book said, you move to the left, you move to the right. Instead of just sitting in it, identifying it and trying to figure out what the hell is this? I think that's the attachment to the hope. Yeah. She she told people that, you know, she was trying to articulate that it's it's a pitfall because is it realistic? Like like, the relationship piece is a killer example. Is it realistic realistic to have a, a, a Cliff and Claire relationship? Like, is that what you, I mean, I, it looks good. It looks good. Some of the amenities of the relationship might make you feel good, but is that success? Is that what success looks like? Is, is that something that is good for me? Not even anybody. Is that something that's good for me? And people never take the time to understand it. So when you don't hit that Cliff Claire benchmark mm-hmm. and you 35, 36, 40, single, Get out of my life. And then, you, <laughs> and you worried about like, man, like, did I make the right choice with my life? Cause I'm single now. Like I've had these conversations with folks, mm-hmm. but I also think like with me, okay, I'm 40 divorce. All right. Right. But that's some shit I had to kind of sit in and kind of understand like, all right, well, this is what happened. So I've able to kind of release and let go mm-hmm. and detox. And so I understand you know, what my past looks like from my past experiences. But at the mind state that I'm in now, and she talks about it in the book, 
you know, I understand where I am now. So now I have a better idea of what my future should look like because I'm not using my past to dictate my future. Mm -hmm. I'm assessing my past. I'm processing it. I'm releasing it because for better or for worse, my past was my past. Yeah. And if I have an understanding of, you know, some of the challenges that are going to take place in my future, I got a better insight on how to prepare for my future, understanding that it's not going to be this perfect Cliff and Claire kind of situation. This shit might turn out, you know, 25 years after that, after the show gone off air and everybody gone left. Mm. Yeah. Right. Like, think about that shit now. And then even without, even like with our celebrities and stuff, man, Michael Jackson thought he was going to have another thriller, G. Yeah. And it drove him crazy. Yeah. That's why, like, yo, because he, he didn't have balance. That, that was going to be a downtime in your music career. Just like with an athlete, it's going to be a downtime in your, your, your career where you just got to prepare for the worst. Because it's all, it's not going to be championships all the time. And that's what people are telling us, right? Yeah. You win one, you got people around you that, oh, you got to win another one. Like, you have people around you that won't allow you to, like, there's no other option. Like, I was thinking about uh, one of my clients, and they are a football coach. And... I was like, you know, walk me through how you motivate your team and the stuff that he was feeding to his team. Basically, it was like, yo, we we don't lose. Losing is not an option. And I was like, ah, that sucks, because when y'all lose, like, what does that do to the individual's morale? Automatically, they're going to feel like they are disappointing you because you was like, this is not an option. This is not what we do. So when you lose now, you're wondering why you have individuals afraid to talk to you, not wanting to come to practice. The morale was low on the team. And it's like, you breeded this and we do this. We're, we don't allow athletes to have a bad day. We don't allow people that we know to not be successful. Everyone has to win. Like all I do is win, 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 no matter what. No, that's not true. Sometimes your ass is going to lose. By design. And I think that's what we don't really understand. We're not talking about this, that God will order my steps. Yes. And sometimes God's going to be like, oh, this, let me humble this nigga right quick. Yo, yeah. Hell yeah. Me- <laughs> yeah sometimes he's going to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll order your steps a little later. Yeah. Right now you need to fall on your yeah, ass. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me trip on the sidewalk. Yeah. yeah go on. Take <laughs> in front of all your friends. You right. are the rose that grew grew from the crack from the concrete. <laughs> At homecoming. <laughs> Trip over the curve and sit down with that crack. At homecoming. At homecoming. Going live, right? And I think we we don't allow because we have this false perception of perfection that we are forcing others to subscribe to. You gotta be the best, right? And and it's kinda it's kind of toxic when you think about it, because even, you know, think back when you were a child, the things that our families and older, like they told us, like, you got to go in here. You got to be the smartest. You got to be the fastest. It was like, yo, why can't I just be me? So now if I'm not the fastest after someone told me I need to be the fastest, I lose a race. And now I can't even face this individual that told me I need to be the fastest because now I feel like I've let you down. And really, I couldn't let you down because I was never holding you up. But we feed this stuff and 
you know, what you feed will grow. And so when we're, when we spoon feed it to children, you end up having adults walking around confused. You end up having individuals not able to communicate properly because they were never told that you're not always going to get your way. So in a relationship, you tell me, no, I don't know what that means. Ah, I don't know what that means. And so instead of me sitting in it, that space of being told, no, I go somewhere to where they're going to tell me yes. And then the cycle repeats itself. And so now I'm 50, right? I'm, I'm single. I don't have any fruitful or multiplying relationships in my life because I was never told that people are allowed to not like you. People are allowed to say no to you. People are allowed to decide that they no longer want to be your friend. Right. Like you're not always going to be told yes. And that's that. that, That's when we get. It's the it's the resolution. Right. It's the resolution. We want this desired resolution. And it was it was a quote that I, uh, I jotted down. And she says, as human beings, not only do we seek resolution, but we also feel that we deserve resolution. Mm -hmm. However, not only do we not deserve resolution, we suffer from resolution. We don't deserve resolution. We deserve something better, better than that. We deserve our birthright, which is the middle way, an open state of mind that can relax with paradox and ambiguity. Because you're going to catch a hot L every now and then, man. Uncle by, Shannon, Uncle Shannon, you're going to catch by, a hot L every now and then. That's life, G. By design. You are <laughs> going to do this by design. It's whether you are prepared or not, you are going to catch this L. As men, as black men, like, you, we, we, you know, we say, yeah, it's going to be harder on us and all that stuff and just racism. I get, I understand it. But I also think, Brother Jason, something you said earlier if we kind of train our young boys to grow up and all, you know, like, yo, if you can't deal with, if you can't deal with nothing else, absolutely nothing else, then you, you're not really giving them the keys to success on how to motivate them to aspire to reach a level of greatness. If it becomes their mission, if, if it becomes something that they want to do, that part. you haven't really given them the tools to deal with the adversity that comes along with it. That part. Life is life is adversity. I think this subject matter is such a slippery slope for so many reasons. One, everything in, in this book, it's almost um, unconventional. And the reason why I say that, society itself, we think about like entertainment, what they put out on TV, what's in the movie and things of that sort. And, you know, let's just talk about not necessarily your movies because that can span. Let's talk about every day what you're seeing. There is a lot of positivity and not saying it shouldn't be. I'm saying typically folks not talking about the other side. They're talking about the the hopeful side, the, the happy side, the compassionate side. So the things that she's talking about in the book, like, hey, Let's not be so on the left that you forget about the right. Mm. You go through so much of life where everybody's just focusing on the left. And it's when you get older, that is when it's like, look, it's not how it was first taught to you. And I think to be honest, when you get older, you get, you go through a lot of unlearning stuff that you learned before, whether good, bad, or indifferent, you're like, Oh, I just thought it was this way. Or I just, I didn't know (laughs) 
X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to go through a whole bunch of examples. I, di I didn't know like that was on the other side of it because you haven't lived that experience. But another thing to that, which I feel like, I feel like uh, Kevin, you was, was talking about was this. I think about specifically with uh, black men who are like raising or let's just say mentoring black boys who you're trying to get them to that next level. And in trying to get them to that next level, you are basically saying, look, is this a nothing at all? You got to go hard every day. Look, all, all we breed in is winners. There aren't no losers. And I really think like folks need that in order to get to where they're going. When you think about keeping on sports, like Michael Jordan, would he ever have made it to where he was supposed to be if somebody wasn't saying, look, you, you are a winner. It's, it's not nothing else. All, all, to your point, all we do is win, knowing that there are losses, but it's like, in his mind, I think it's even a Michael Jordan quote that says, I never lost a game. I just, there just wasn't enough time on the clock. <laughs> so he, he never prescribed to this idea of losing. It was, you know, something else. And the last thing I'll say, which is a, a bit different, um, but a lot of the text in the, the book, it made me think about this. It talks a lot about really sitting in whatever you're going on, you're going through. I just wonder if somebody took that too literal. And for instance, you sat in something too long. Now you're sitting in depression mm. and, and now you're mm. trying to come up from that. Yeah. So that's why I say a lot of things that's being said, you really have to think about it and not, not be so one way, I guess, to the points that she's making. But you can literally take some of this stuff and it can turn out to be, it can turn out to have a negative effect when that wasn't the intent of what was being written in the book. So going off of the MJ, um, sorry, the Michael Jordan example, the question that, um, the question that I always reflect on is uh, we eat uh, turkey for Thanksgiving, right? Why? I don't, I don't even like turkey. Right? That's Most what I, people don't just say, yo, I want a dry ass turkey sandwich. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Now, I love a good deep fried turkey or, you know, if, it, if it's turkey done lad, right. Turkey wings on the camera. But the question is, sure. like, who told you that we have to have turkey for Thanksgiving? And you'll hear people say, oh, well, this is what we're supposed to do. Why? We never question the why. Mm -hmm. If you grew up with dogs in your house and then you like, you know, I love dogs. Why do you love dogs? Do you love dogs because that's all you were exposed to and you weren't exposed to anything else? Or do you love dogs because you were forced to love dogs? Because like every day you woke up, Rover was in the house and Cujo was out back. Like everybody in your family had a dog. So now you are a dog lover. Or is this just something that you're repeating because this is what you were told to do? So going off of Michael Jordan. The question is, like, did Michael Jordan ever really want to be a basketball player or did like someone else like convince him to be a basketball player and he could probably say yes but it's like you've been spoon fed this all your life like you don't even know any other option like what if michael jordan wanted to be a rocket scientist 
No, obviously he wanted to be a baseball, baseball player. Look, I was going to say he wanted to be a baseball player. <laughs> he wanted to be a baseball player. And, so. we, and we see what happened there. Yeah, I'm just saying, you saw what happened there, right? Right. Yeah. But, you know, the desire, like if your desires aren't nurtured, like, do you take on the desires of other people to make them happy? So if like, Kev, for instance, you want your son uh, to be a football player. Kingston's like, nah, I want to play baseball. And you'd be like, I mean, baseball is cool and all, but you know, football, you really get the X, Y, and Z. And you slowly start trying mm-hmm. to do a comparison. Now Kingston's like, well, dang, I mean, you know, if I It's the fear, brother Jay. I'm put I'm putting, like you said, he 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 would be fearful of letting me down. Yeah. If I'm pushing him, pushing him of one direction or another, where that's not his passion, instead of telling me no. He's running from, you yeah. know, he's kind of running from the conversation. And she talks about this concept of fear. She says we can spend our whole lives escaping from the monsters of our minds. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, me telling him football, football, football. And he's like, man, I don't want to disappoint dad. Like I'm creating a monster for him. Yeah. And, and then I- that impacts his ability to uh, have conversations when maybe he's being peer pressured into yeah. something else. Yeah. You know I'm, what I mean? I'm just, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just go along to get along. I'm gonna just go along to, to shut them the hell up, and that's not necessarily what you should do. I mean, think about relationships, right? I, I, I talk, I talked to someone the other day. They have been married for twelve years, and and when they said this next line, I put my phone on mute and sat back in my chair. Like she's like, I never had a desire to get married. They have been married for twelve years. Twelve years, but that's, if you're talking yeah. more originally. Or never like then she didn't want to be married. And to this day, she doesn't want to be married. Like marriage was not a thing she wanted to do. She was like, do you know how miserable it is to always wake up with people in your house that you didn't want there? (laughs) It was like, damn. so why are you married? She was like, I was told that's what I was supposed to do. All the women in my family were married by 26. Everyone started having kids six months to a year after they got married. I didn't want to go against the pattern. I was like, does your husband know? She was like, I would never tell him that. Mm. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, now when I see this so brother, she's committed. She's committed to the left. She's committed to what she has been told, not mm-hmm. taught, told needed to happen. Like those expectations, yeah. like this is what a woman is supposed to do. Damn right. man, that ain't that's a heavy way to live. That's a heavy burden to bear, G. I'm sitting there thinking, like, man, so every morning you pick up your kids, you'd be like, I didn't even want these little bastards, right? Like, God, dog. And she was like, I'm being serious. I never wanted, I didn't want to be married. I didn't see myself raising kids. Like, I wanted to be that fine auntie that came in that thought she was too good to hang with other people in her family because they made decisions based on what other people wanted them to do. But now I'm I'm just like that. She's like, I got to go to family functions. And I'm sitting here like, what is this shit? Right. Like, and so I'm just like, yo, you should, you should go to therapy. She's like, if I go to therapy, it's going to end in divorce and split custody, mm-hmm. bro. Like, and I was like, well, yeah. That's <laughs> it. So like, did you communicate this when you're in relationships? Like, I don't like what we doing is this is. This is it. Like, this is the plateau. 
Yo, that might be the situation where you you might be, you know, addicted to a certain level of hope. You hope it's going to get better. You hope it's going to, you know, the tables will turn. You hope you will eventually get what you want. I don't you think just, she's hopeful, though. I don't. No, I, but, but, she's she's a she's, she's content. She's a robot. Yeah, she's a robot. Yeah, 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 exactly. She's yeah. a robot. Like, you mm-hmm. know, she goes, now when you when I look at my life, um, I have a beautiful, I do have a beautiful family. That's what she said. She says, I have a beautiful family, I have a beautiful house, I have a beautiful career. And the man that I've married, she says, he loves me. But I didn't want any of that. And today I still don't. She feels like she's missing something. And Whoa. but she said, she says, but you know, uh, I'm I'm never I'm never so internally focused that I can't appreciate the flowers. And, and just I think to add to that is I think when you, when internally your cup isn't full, mm-hmm. somebody can't fill it for you. Absolutely. So yeah, just yeah. because you know sure. her kid's probably great, her husband you know supports her, loving all that stuff. But if you empty on the inside. None of that stuff really matters. Going through the notions, bro. Going through the notions. And I'm just like, God, like, that has to be a miserable space to be in. Like, every day you wake up in a life that you never wanted. Or you attached to a life that you never had because you're still talking about, like, you've been married 12 years with kids and stuff. Like, I I understand you. That's a... It's a powerful maybe testament to things you've endured, (laughs) but you you, you feel... You you got some FOMA going on there. And... You, but you got to think about it. And she broke it down. She's like, bro, ain't nobody asked to be like up all night when a child catch a cold. Like, ain't nobody nah, asked for that shit. That's true. She said, now I got, she said, I got two college tuition payments that I'm going to have to make when these little kids get above age. That was not in my plan. Or do you though? But see, this the ill shit though, brother Jake, going to the book. Do you have two college tuitions that you need to pay? In her, in her, in her framework. And in, I guess in the husband's thinking, like, our kids are going to go to college. So now she's like, shit, that's more money out my pocket I got to give that I wasn't planning on get. Like, I got to share all this stuff with people that I had no intention of sharing it with. And that's I a think, that's a bad I space. To, I mean, that's a dangerous place to be in. That's an unhealthy space because that spills over. When you really think about it, you are married and you have kids. 90% of your life is consumed in regret. Yeah. That other 10% is when you are out of the house, not around anybody, and you get to be an individual. So it's like, dang, you got to find friends that don't know you, don't know your family, don't know your background, so you can be who you are authentically for a couple hours of the day. That's why it's taking you so long when you go to Wegmans, right? You only got two things on your list, but you come out with uh, nine bags because you were just like, I just, I'm just... I get, I'm meeting people in Wegmans. I'm enjoying this, not having to answer, wipe noses, put that down, stop, no, argue with the husband because he wants stuff that I don't want. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> still on mute at the moment. But I kept thinking about her and her story when I was reading a lot of this stuff. And like being present, the fear part, right? Like, um, impermanence, ego. Mm-hmm. One thing that I circled was highlighted, circled, underlined, put a post-it note like, I'm going to have to put this there. If you want to find the meaning, stop chasing after so many things. Like, I was able to see this young lady in so many examples that she spoke about in the book. 
Like contentment but, but, is a synonym for loneliness. Yeah, and and the, the and there are cases and levels of loneliness that you need to have. Yeah, that you got. I mean, that 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 is just a part of life. Sometimes you have to sit and think. Yeah, and not be distracted. But now there's everything to distract you. Yeah, that I didn't ask for. Exactly. And I mean, I, that's tough. But I think we bringing this back. I think we all are fulfilling other people's desires that they have for our lives until we have that moment of awakening to where we realize like, I don't want this shit. Like this ain't, I don't want this. Like I remember the first time I was in grad school, I was sitting in class and the instructor was leadership studies and something else. And the instructor was teaching a class. Now I'm graduate class. We're going over elementary concepts. I'm like, yo, I teach this to the, in the student leadership course that I teach to undergraduates. And then like, there was nothing that was challenging. I'm just like, yo, you, I'm writing a paper for 10 points. Really? <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah, you want me to write a 10 page paper and you only going to give me 10 fill in the blank points in the middle of class. One day I just started packing my bag and my friend that wrote with me, she was like, what is happening? I was like, we out. She was like, Oh no, are you sick? I was like, I'm not coming back. She was like, wait, <laughs> it's like, and then when I thought about it on the ride home, I was like, yo, the only reason I decided to go into that, particular graduate program was because others told me like, yo, you, you, you would do well in this. And this is what you can do once you get that type of degree. And I was like, this ain't it. This ain't it. So like withdrew out of that program, did my thing. And then eventually enrolled in a program that was more my lane. But I'm sitting here thinking like, had I had continued to subscribe to what other people suggested for me, I wouldn't have been able to do 75% of the stuff that I've done post undergrad paths. And like none of us, we would have never met. <laughs> we would have never met. Cause I would have been working in a space and a city that probably uh, would have never allowed our paths across ever. It's funny. You say that I think, and I don't know if it's, a minority thing, you know, exclusive to African-Americans. I think when we're younger, we just don't have the same freedom mm. in terms of just to discover and figure out what we want to do. I don't always think that, you know, our parents or our guardians who are guiding us, they're doing it to pigeonhole us. I feel like they, in their minds, they're doing it to protect us. Mm-hmm. They've lived this life. They have a level of understanding and they feel like, hey, if you choose A opposed to B, it'll give you better results. But they're not really allowing us to make that decision on our own and just be a guide. To say, and, we, and we've taken the baton of, of fear. Yeah, exactly. Ex- exactly. To the next leg of our journey. Exactly. Yeah. They're trying to take all of that on for us or, or trying to make sure that we don't go down that lane. And we... We end up in this false reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, to be honest, I think that's that's really also too like why there's a lot of like suicide rates for younger people has increased a lot. Yeah, 
because we think that there is no way out. And it's for things that really don't even matter. Like, you just like, that's it. Like, life, life goes on. Yeah. Uh, like, this is not the, the end of you. I mean, we've all been in situations that you feel like, man, I, where, where I'm going to go from this? But then when you look back on it, you was like, man, that wasn't nothing. Compared to and what I, I've been through. Yeah. It, hey. Sorry. Don't turn this into a church service. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I'm going to mute myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I'm saying like, this, this is real. And, and that's another thing about this book. You know, I know that it has a lot of the Buddhist like principles in it. It's not a Buddhism book. But many times in this, I almost felt like, not that I was reading like the Bible, but I was reading like a supplement to the Bible that's taking different mm. concepts and kind of like pulling like these little like themes out. Um, and two, I would say two of the kind of quotes from this book reminded me of the young lady that you discussed, Run, is that one of the things it said, it said each day we're given many opportunities to open up or, or shut up or shut down. So even when we don't think we have a choice, we each do. day we're given a new opportunity to decide what the hell are we going to do. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was interesting was this other, uh, quote in the same paragraph it says that's being nailed by life the place where you have no choice except to embrace what's happening or push it away you either go i mean and at this point she's just embracing it yeah yeah because you but you got a choice though you exactly. got a, you got a choice exactly and it is kind of i mean it's sad just hearing this because she in her mind I don't have no, this, this is the, like, it's no A or B. It's only A. Yeah. This Obviously is you have other parts in this <clears> equation. <throat> you marry, you have kids, but I also don't believe in like dying in silence. Like I don't want that for no one. What did the author say in the book? Cousin Jeff, we have to go through, uh, out the world creating harmony and not bringing harm towards others mm -hmm. or towards ourselves. Which, so we we are included in that equation. We shouldn't right. bring harm to ourselves either. <laughs> but th but think about in that situation, it's like creating harmony, not bringing harm to others. Also, essentially considering yourself too. Mm. If she walks away, walks away or stays, somebody gonna get the bad end of this stick. Yeah. But who is gonna be? Is it gonna be her? Yeah. Or is it gonna be her family? But that's the life. That's the life, though. Those things will fall apart. True. Right. And I think when, when I, they fall apart, when, yeah, they, fall when apart. they fall apart. And I think yeah. the I think the thing that may be her anchor is like, how am I going to face all these people? Like everything that I've ever known <clears throat> will become foreign to me. I'll be an outcast. Fear, fear of perception. Yeah, I'll be an outcast. Family won't want to talk to me. Like most definitely. Divorce. I'm not supposed to, you're not supposed to get to like we don't we don't do divorce in my family. And I'm sitting here yeah. thinking, like, I met some of your family and y'all should do divorce often. <laughs> you should. You should. Like I met some some couples in your family. I'm just like, ah, this divorce should be an option for many couples, right? But like, nah, you know, they the the golden example is their grandparents. Their grandparents were married, I think, when the first grandparent passed away 70 some years. And so everyone is subscribing to like, we got to be in this thing for the long haul. And I'm just like, I don't think you're going to live that long um, Two, 
just because they stayed married for 70 years didn't mean <laughs> look grandmama ain't had options okay <laughs> right <laughs> granddaddy had a, hey he was he he was one of the three brothers in town with a job yeah so she won't go in with the other two right she played the odds <laughs> and it was like this is this is all we got but i think once again we talked about lack of exposure to other things if you only expose your child to basketball, of course, like, oh, I love basketball. Do you really? Or is that all that you've ever been exposed to? Now, if you come up and talk about, yeah, I'm playing cricket. I'm be like, OK, let's 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 have a conversation. We don't really like. We don't go watch cricket like we watch basketball. I see what you did there, but like right. we not going to be there cheering in the stands for that. We just just know just know the difference. We got love for you. We gonna wear your colors, or you know, we gonna tell people you playing. I'm not buying season tickets for that though. But one, we haven't been exposed to it on a certain level to where we can appreciate the sport, and I think that's where that's where prior generations. I won't necessarily have say they they have failed us. What I will say is they prevented us from seeing all that there is to offer. Agreed. Right. Like I sit down and I have conversations with people and they talk about vacations and everybody wants to go to Miami and they want to go to the beach. They want to do this. And I'm like, you have your passport. Go see the places that like one, we come from, go see places in other lands. Stop subscribing to this social media culture and feel like you got to go Everywhere that's a hashtag, go places that your friends don't necessarily want to go. See what else is out there. I had a conversation with another friend and they got married right after high school. Like it's just been them. They dated, started in middle school. They dated in high school. And then months after graduation, they got married and that's all they've ever known. So when they relocated. I know where it's going. Huh? When they relocated, you you was in strong like with your wife, but then when you saw exactly. other things, my God from Zion. Ah, like, and that's like he was like, you know, I still love my wife. I was like, you ain't got no choice. You you you've been with her since we was in fifth grade, my brother. Like you, you in this thing forever. Like you wouldn't even know how to function if y'all weren't together because you've been more with her than you have been without her. Right. But you were, you, you stayed with her or in the relationship because everyone thought y'all was the uh, cutest couple or your families thought it was cute. And they was already planning what the kids names was going to be. And now you, now you in this thing. And so y'all moved to a different part of the country where you don't have any safety nets and you seeing things that was never in your hometown. They got activities that was never in your hometown and life has brand new meaning. Mm. But because you haven't been exposed to it, sometimes we make premature decisions and decide means to kill off, to cut off and not make any other choice. But you commit like you commit to those decisions that you should have thought twice about. But, like you like you, you don't commit know, to them. But you know no better. You don't. You, you all, don't, Yeah, you all in. Right. If. If you tell me that, you know, IHOP is coming, I'm like, all right, cool. I love IHOP. And then for those of us that are older, you say Denny's, everybody's going to be like the Grand Slam, right? And so now somebody else is like, well, you know, we got Waffle House over here. And you're just like, what the hell is a Waffle House? 
And then all these other things are popping up. They can even more McDonald's. All kids love McDonald's because McDonald's are everywhere. You take them somewhere McDonald's isn't. They got the same thing at this Jack in the Box. But no, I went, it's not McDonald's. It's like, but this is so much better. <laughs> like this is. And then you get exposed to something. And then you looking down at McDonald's like, how did y'all even allow me to touch that stuff? Lack right. of exposure. And 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 pulling people so far to the side that we're on, preventing them from seeing what else there can be. And I think we as a people, we do it unconsciously, like like you said, we because we want the best for people. And when, when I, I cringe every time I hear that, because you wanting the best for me. And best for me in your eyes is what you mm-hmm. think is best. Yep. Yep. Not what really is best for me. Yep. Oh man, you got to go to school, be an engineer, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're going to make a lot of money, bro. I advised engineer students for a year and all of them were miserable. I said in one of those classes, I was like, I'd be miserable too. Why are you becoming an engineer? Well, you know, my, you know, it started when my mom started putting me in like uh, youth engineering camps and blah, blah, blah. And like, this is all I know. This is like, I'm like, yo, the university has like 163 other majors. You know, you could, you still get a degree and I know, but it doesn't make as much money. All right. I think visually this book, especially when we talk about concepts, it reminded me of photograph. I don't know if y'all saw Mm -hmm. that. And the reason why it reminded me of the photograph, because um, the character who Issa plays her mother she lived in Louisiana. Everything was, it was, everything was known. It was not anything spontaneous about it. I think they lived near like a, a rig and like most of the guys, like they worked there. And that's just what you, you did. You found someone with a good job. You kind of like settled down. She was taking these photographs and she wanted to be somewhere where people can see her work, where she can do more. She can shoot more things. And this guy who she was madly in love with, all he knew was Louisiana. Hey, let's, we, you know, I mean, why we want to go over there? You know, ain't going to be able to find no work. Where she was just like, you know, I don't know what's on this other side, but it got to be better than what's here. Like I know what's here and it ain't much. Yeah. And long story short, she, in end of the movie, she kind of like passed away and her daughter is, is th- that's her dad. She comes back and he literally is in the same spot. And one of his regrets is the fact that he didn't move away. He didn't get a chance to experience that part of life just to see what it, what it was. Like you may decide, you know, this is not my thing or it's not a place I should be. Yeah. But that really having this conversation, that movie kind of just made me reflect on or just seeing visually from a a cinematic standpoint how you can have some people who, hey, this all I know, I'm not trying to necessarily explore this other side. And then you have those who literally, they're going to look fear in the face and like, you know what, I'm going to step into the unknown to see what's there. Because what's there may be greater than what my present situation is. In search of their truth. Yeah. Yeah. So when things fall apart, gentlemen, what what are your 
your lasting thoughts and what would you rate it? Well, for me, um, she dropped so many bars in the book, man, but I'm going to kind of sum it up with a quote. Um, Things falling apart is a kind of testing and also a kind of healing. We think that the point is to pass the test or to overcome the problem, but the truth is that things don't really get solved. They come together and they fall apart. Then they come together again and fall apart again. It's just like that. The healing comes from letting there be room for all of this to happen. Room for grief, for relief, for misery, for joy. You're going to you're going to you're going to have to be on that balancing beam in any situation. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I would rate this book four four and a half fists because it was timely for me. OK. Yeah, it was timely for me, man. And, um, you know, my hope is that people can uh, understand where they are and, and, you know, that it's not going to be like the sandcastle she talked about in the book. Like people, people get attached to sandcastles when you're building it. You don't want anybody to touch it, but you kind of know the tide is coming. Yep. So enjoy the sandcastle. It's going to wash away. It'll be all right. Figure out how to build another one if you can. And that's all you can really commit to. You know what I mean? So, yeah, four, four and a half fish, man. And um, things going to fall apart. When things fall apart, I got a better understanding of and some tools to deal with it. I'll say, it's, you know, I got to start off by taking just a few. I'm not going to call them jabs, but. You know, you know, in, in true fashion. Got it. Go I just got to do me. Mm-hmm. Tradition. <laughs> Tradition. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing about Kev, he going to give you a good rating. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I can't wait for the day when he's saying, no, you know, I I don't think this was, was a good. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with this book, but. I said, if this boy get this book a five, <laughs> <laughs> this book it nah, man. It, it went because it, it was you know I'm not a I'm not a Buddhist, so but I I understand the principles. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. But it didn't it didn't like strike a chord to my soul, but it gave me a just gave me perspective. Mm, so sure. nah. And no, and I I, I agree yeah. with that. I'm just yeah. more so being funny. The other yeah. thing, this what I'll say about Ronald though. <laughs> I was reading this book, and you know how he always like. I just had to read it and then I just had to sit with it. Like a few times, I'm like, she just said some stuff that I just need to just think about <laughs> how that's uh, matriculated in my own life. And I agree, like, she definitely was like dropping these little bars in here. I know when I first started reading it, this is always when I'm reading these books. I'm like, what the hell they got me reading? <laughs> like that's the first. I'm like, what the hell they got me reading? Because I would say, if I was choosing this book, I I would not have picked this book up. Mm. Obviously, having this book club, it'll it forces me to, to finish this book. I think I probably would have finished it too. But this definitely not something I would have read the front of it. Like, nah, this this not my this not my speed. Um, but I'll say this in terms of recommending this book. So, you know, like, say in, in high school, I know when I took 
AP English. And before I was in my AP course, they gave you required reading. Like, hey, this is a syllabus and you need to do this required reading before the year starts. I felt like this book is required reading prior to taking a therapy session. Mm. The reason why I'm saying that it's a lot of things that this book touches on that if you can just wrap your mind a little bit around the concepts, you'll be better off in your like first therapy session or you won't spend so much time like, why am I here? What am I trying to do? Mm. So I actually recommended this book um, to someone who I felt like, you know what, where you at right now and knowing that you've had a therapist before, I think this may be a good book where you may be able to get something from it. Even if you don't like it, it's going to challenge some of the things that you're currently thinking about. So in that regard, I thought it was a good book. With that being said, you know how I am with these ratings. So (laughs) (laughs) because I'm going to give a two and a half (laughs) off the GP. (laughs) It can't can't get no higher than the other book we got. So she ain't never do a lecture at Howard. She get two and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Because to your point, this book, the way it's written, it may corner off a lot of people. They may feel like, you know, I ain't, I'm not no Buddhist and it's already kind of starting talking. That way. I'm not going to read it. I had to get this book a four. Okay. I, I thought it was a good book. I will, I will say that um, I agree with everything you all said in terms of like your closing thoughts. And I think, um, I'm at around a four and a half as well. And cause it took me, took me to places that I, as Jeff said, I had to sit with. And, um, one of the things that I kept coming back to, it said things falling apart is a kind of testing and also a kind of healing. Mm-hmm. We think that the point is to pass the test or to overcome the problem. But the truth is that things don't really get solved. They come together and they fall apart. Then they come together again and they fall apart again. It's just like that. The healing comes from letting there be room for all of this to happen. Room for grief, relief, for misery, and for joy, right? The things that Kev said. And I kept coming back to that over and over and over again. And the thing that I I really appreciated in that that whole entire quote was, letting there be room for all of it to happen. And so Kev, when you started talking that quote, I'm just like, ah, that we, that's it. And then it was like, letting. No, we ain't even, we ain't even discussed it. No. Man. That's, look, 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 look at that, man. Look at that. Just, it, and I, and I went back to, you know, early training in terms of, you know, counseling and development and coaching where we was like holding the space letting there be room for whatever you're experiencing. Um, she took me through a lot of emotions with this, right? Talking about the concept of fear. Um, if you want to find the meaning of things, stop chasing so many things. Right. And so it's that, that was a lot. And um, four and a half, I definitely recommend this to anyone. And this would probably be something that I would read often. It's maybe not from cover to cover. Maybe there's certain parts of the book that I will go back and revisit. Um, 
But yeah, so that's four and a half, four and a half, and four. It's always, it's always one. Hey, Pema, Pema children, when things fall apart, heart advice for difficult times. I agree, brother Jay. I, I think this is going to be like a like a once a year kind of read mm-hmm. around, you know, a, a designated reflection period. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's that's good. And so we gave it a four point three repeating rating for the bourbons and books with Game Recognized Game Podcast. Hey, thanks, cousin Jeff, man. <laughs> thanks for thanks for not being so hard on the author this month, man. We appreciate it. <laughs> I'm just giving you the real. I hear, it, I hear, it. off GP, man. We appreciate it. Tradition. Give him again two and two and two and two and a quarter off of GP. <laughs> Tradition. <laughs> edition <laughs> you've just witnessed another edition of bourbon and books with the game recognized game podcast with rlj and kev i'm kev that's rlj along with our brother cousin jeff see you next month peace